the consciousness also has the ability to come down and interact with our physical reality. That's category number two of the traveling of, of consciousness, both human consciousness and non-human intelligence. The other aspect of it is that all of these contact modalities involve contact with the perceived non-human intelligence. And that's by definition. Yeah. In all of these contact modalities, people are interacting with intelligence. I don't like to use the word being because that word being uh, has uh, uh, the connotations of physicality to it. Okay. Yeah. Um, you got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? If you feel like that's what you want to do. Thanks for tuning back in to listen to part two, where Ray Hernandez and I discuss his latest book, The Mind of God, which is absolutely fascinating. Enjoy. You could tell I'm over the age of 65, you know, anyone with that, <laughs> with that age always has difficulty with the internet. No, that's just a belief, not a fact. <laughs> is okay, it a belief yeah. that's serving you? You could change that. No, nah, I'm just having a little fun. <laughs> the mind of God. Uh, the mind of God. Okay. Now, here is the, the table of contents. And what happened was this book was meant to be the introduction for these four volumes. Okay. Now, as I said before, I didn't make an outline. I just, I was like, how in the hell am I going to do this? You know? So I just started writing. Okay. And, um, and so here I said, okay, let me describe the different sections of the book. And these are all the different sections, okay? So people understand, okay, all of that. And then I talk a little bit about my personal journey, some of my experiences, how I arrived at, you know, my, my conclusions, my thesis of what's going on. So I gave people a, a, a little bit about, you know, my experiences. I started off after I talk about what the book is all about, all the different sections, all the different chapters from the different authors and my personal experiences that I said, what, um, that right now was happening now, and you could agree to it. Um, I argue that humanity is undergoing a Kundalini awakening. Okay, <laughs> a Kundalini awakening. The way I describe it is that um, not all of humanity, but a, a small segment of, of of humanity is being woken up via all the contact modalities. Understand that we are eternal spiritual beings. Okay, and then um, if I, if you remember that uh, greater reality book. I have four big ones there, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, UFOs, and, and spirits, ghosts and spirits. Nois is a Greek word that means knowledge. And I purposely put it in there, N-O-U-S. And uh, the, those four, uh, four first letters were much bigger than the other ones. But very few people have picked up on that, okay? So there's a lot of little hidden messages in that book. It was all things that I designed and for a meaning. But anyway, so I said, Three out of these four major contact modalities were introduced to humanity on a worldwide basis within five years of each other. Okay, The topic that has not been introduced on a worldwide basis is the topic of ghosts and spirits. Okay, But that's been talked about since the dawn of mankind. Okay, So let's start with near-death experiences. Okay, That's um, um, the contact modality number one. When did that get circulated around the world? That was 1975. 
with the publication of Raymond Moody's book, Life After Life. International New York Times bestseller, translated to all the major languages of the world. Now you could go to China or India, anywhere else, you talk about the topic of near-death experiences, and I wouldn't people, say every everyone, but people many know people, what, people, people know what, know what that is, you know what you're talking about. Out-of-body experiences, when did that take off, okay? Robert Monroe published three books on out-of-body experiences and astral travel. The first one was 1972. Again, it was New York Times bestseller, translated to all the major languages of the world, and began to circulate all around the world, okay, in different languages. It's not as popular as near-death experiences, but still, you know, tons of people uh, know about what is an out-of-body experience, okay? Now, the topic of UFOs, okay, uh, that, I would argue that that really took off in 1970 when Star Trek got syndicated all around the world. So all of a sudden, you have this black and white TV show, okay, all of a sudden being sold to all the TV networks around the world, and they were eventually translated into all the major languages. So now people knew about beings from other planets, from other dimensions, or telepathic communication, you know, about spaceships and all that stuff. And, and so... Here you are, 1970, 1972, 1975. And what I tell a lot of folks, this is before the internet, because right now you can put something on the internet instantaneously, it's all around the world. Back then, before the internet, you had to physically read it, you had to read, see it on TV, you had to have a, a radio show, um, you know, very different uh, to circulate information. But here, uh, here it was for the history of humanity. All of a sudden, these three things were being introduced to humanity at the same exact time. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. They were being introduced, but there was still a collective thought form that said, this is fantasy, this is Hollywood, it's not real. Like I asked my brother years ago, you know, do you believe in you? He goes, oh, yeah, I totally believe in them, you know, at ETs. And he said, but they're not here on Earth. You know, they can't come to Earth. It's too far. They, You know, so it was introduced as an idea that exists, but it exi It doesn't exist here. Like we're not interacting with them. So. Yeah. But, anyway. but, but but at least the concepts are being introduced, like near-death mm -hmm. experience. I would dare venture that you talk to most people in, in Western countries about the concept of NDEs. They've heard that term, and they accept it, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, at least, you know, 50% of the people. No one's ever done a, I think a couple of people have done studies about it, whether they believe in that. And they were, they were large, large numbers. You know, mm -hmm. these are recent, recent massive surveys. Um, so they're slowly being introduced to humanity. And mm -hmm. humanity's every year is going through transitions of accepting these topics, okay? Uh, like, for example, the UFO stuff, you know, people still see it as a materialist phenomenon. They don't still understand it as a consciousness-based phenomenon. So, um, so but the, the whole point was, like, why now? Why now in the whole history of humanity? Why is it being introduced within five years of each other? So then you look back as to, why is it happening now? The reason I think it's happening now is because humanity has reached a crossroads of self-extinction, okay? Very soon, <laughs> we have a decision to make. Are we going to survive as a species or are we going to do self-extermination? We're going to kill each other off. What are the reasons? Well, one is ecological disasters, okay? people don't know okay in a hundred years most of the major cities along the coast okay along the oceans they're not going to exist they're going to be underwater okay florida whose who's coast america's coast well even europe 
all the major cities, mm -hmm. okay? You have all these major glaciologists and all these um, um, scientists and academics that say, it's not even what we predicted, you know, five years ago. It's much, much more worse because they're finally are able to go underneath the, these glaciers and they're able to see the rapid rate that these things are starting to, to deteriorate, okay? Um, and that in turn is causing a whole cycle of these other ecological disasters, okay? Um, Florida, most of Florida is going to be underwater. New York City is going to be underwater. All the European main, uh, coastal cities are going to be underwater, okay? Um, so it's, it's a worldwide phenomenon, and only the climate deniers are the ones that negate it. But um, So if anyone has a house, if you want to leave that ha house on the coast, to your grandchildren, I highly recommend that you move in. <laughs> you know? uh, so anyway, then the other thing is nuclear disaster, okay? Uh, uh, how many countries now have the nuclear bomb? It's unbelievable, the number. And Putin from Russia is like every day, every week he's coming out, I'm going to blow up a bomb, man. I'm going to blow up a bomb, you know? It's just a frightened, you know, uh, uh, people. Uh, to get able to get his way. It's like there was a period a couple of months ago that you had um, the foreign minister, you had the cabinet members, uh, tons of people threatening, you know, to use the nuclear bomb, you know, if we don't uh, break the sanctions and all these things, you know. And so then you've got the whole India-Pakistan thing. You've got the Middle Eastern uh, thing with, you know, Israel and all these other uh, countries. Um, uh, I mean, it's all over the world. You've got China and Taiwan. China has this huge nuclear arsenal, um, North Korea and South Korea. I mean, all you need is one crazy person to fl flip, flip, flick that little button, okay? And once a little button is flipped, okay, everyone's going to be launching their, their missiles, okay? Same, same thing with these, nuclear, with these ecological disasters. What happens is all of a sudden these major coastal cities, like, you know, begin to be inundated with, with water. You know, it's going to start like in 50 years, 100 years, it'll be like these cities are going to be uninhabitable. You could have massive migrations, people moving outside the cities, looking for higher ground. OK, you could have people from other countries are going to be fleeing to other countries. So okay? when do you think all this is going to start or do you think it started? It's already started. It's already yeah. started. Yeah. It's already started, but it's a gradual process. It's a gradual so, process. so these experiences are happening to us, to, uh, not, not to the rest of humanity, but it's slowly being introduced to humanity. It's like to wake us up, like, look, we need to become more spiritual, much more loving. You have to understand that you are an eternal, you know, conscious spiritual being, you know, and that you need to change your ways. You know, you, you are a warmongering people, you know, you are barbarians, you know, if you come back from a near-death experience, what do you learn? The most important experience is that love, love so is the key word. Let me ask you so, this, Ray. Why do you think that people that are so-called in power, like politicians or heads of state or royals, why do you think they haven't had near-death experiences? They should. <laughs> if you have a near-death experience, then you're changed like we were talking well, about before. Right. You know? but, what, but why do you think they haven't had the near-death experiences? These are questions are beyond my grasp. You know, uh, okay. all, all, all I know is that if one of these major politicians anywhere in the world has a near-death experience, they're going to be changing their tune. <laughs> they're going to be changing. They'll kick them out of their political party. All of a sudden, it's going to be Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Love and Light, you know, uh, dancing around, you know, preaching you know, I, spirituality. I had, 
I had a guy on the show recently called Samuel Shen Chong, who is a Chinese guy that is has taken up the mandate. There was an, a French-Australian guy called Michel de Marquet who was abducted, if you like, taken to another planet by highly evolved civilization. They said it was a Category 9 planet and shown the way they live. And these were nine-foot-tall, hermaphroditic, evolved beings that had complete... Um, mastery over molecular structure so they knew how to manifest at will so they're physical beings a physical experience but with the same uh, abilities as you know what what happens when we're a spiritual being you know we can think and our thoughts manifest almost instantly and uh, that was a very real physical experience that you know he was taken in his physical body and what was really interesting Ray is that in order for him to be with them, they had to detox him something terrible because the bacteria in his body and the way that we eat and the pesticides and all the stuff that were completely toxic to this race of people. And in order to do a really good job on detoxing his body, they took him out of his body. They gave him a little pill and he went yeah. and he flipped yeah, out of I, his body. And he I, was, I, 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 I know who I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, now that, experience that that man had there are literally tens of thousands of similar but different experiences yeah okay? i've spoken to and a few but, but yeah this... there's there's tens of thousands of different types of beings that people are interacting with but these um, beings say that they're overseeing they're over well, like this like is this many is beings. this is i know who that, that man is it's one man that went to uh asia and spent several weeks interviewing this man about his experiences. Yeah, that's right. But, but, but what I'm saying is that these experiences, I could tell you thousands of different similar experiences. Yeah. They're all but, very different. Okay. But what, but what but, I'm saying is that yeah. these beings said that they oversee the evolutionary process of this world, along with many other planetary beings, higher civilizations, and that the nuclear, you know, destruction they won't let that happen because it's not, they don't mind if we blow ourselves up, but it affects the rest of the universe. And so if, if we explode nuclear bombs that, um, you know, destroy a lot of earth, we're also the impact of that, you know, affects the rest of the universe. So they won't let that happen. That this is what, well, you know, these beings. Th th this is now, now we're getting into, a little bit more in-depth in terms of the topic of my book. <laughs> um, um, so I'm going to be skipping over a whole lot of, uh, of different topics. But um, basically what, what I discuss in our book is, is you have, at least in terms of the ufology aspect of it, you have tens of thousands of different types of beings that people are interacting with. Okay, They're all unique. They're all very individuated. Just like near-death experiences, just like astral travel experiences, all of these experiences are all unique experiences for that person, okay? Now, there are several basic themes, like this whole thing that you just mentioned is that they're not going to let humanity to blow each other up because of the, the secondary impacts that's going to... That's been... Experiences have received that same messages in many, many different ways, okay? Via out-of-body experiences being UFO-related, uh, brought to other realities, numerous ways that same message that you just told me is being conveyed. What, what is happening is that um, 
a lot of people still have this physicalist mindset that the beings that they're interacting with uh, still have a major physical component to it. Okay. Now, these experiences that we're having, they're both physical and psyche. Okay. That's been understood by, you know, as I said before, Alan Hynek, Jacques Vallée, John Mack, you know, Edgar Mitchell, Mary Rodwell, and all these researchers. Okay. But the way you need to understand it is that you need to compare it with the other contact modalities and be able to come up with an explanation. So one way of thinking it is these tens of thousands of different beings that people interacting with. Okay. Uh, there was even one lady that she saw, it was like a booger, like a mucus, you know, that was huge. Uh, that was like four or five feet wide that was hanging on the corner of, of her, uh, of her, um, her kitchen, communicating with her telepathically, okay? So that this booger being come from a booger planet, okay? People have seen tons of different types of uh, perceived physical beings, that they come from tens of thousands of different planets, okay? Um, uh, I would argue no, because these beings interact with these individuals for the overwhelming majority of these experiences for only a few seconds or less than 30 seconds. So did they come from another physical planet to interact with you for like for 20 seconds? No, okay? Um, these experiences, the way to be able to think about it is that if you view um, the nature of our reality, the nature of consciousness, okay? Just like an NDE experience or like an astral travel experiences, okay? All of them are all uniquely different. You talk to astral travel experiences, okay? They're all unique, but they all have the qualities that it is perceived as very, very physical, but yet you know it's not physical, okay? So what, what it is, is that these are manifestations. These are holographic projections that are projected into our consciousness, okay, uh, by the mind of God to be able to interact with us, okay? And they're doing it in very, very unique ways for the individual, just like a near-death experience. It's all very uniquely tailored for that person. Some people see the being that they identify as God as Jesus Christ. Some as Buddha. Some uh, There was a Jewish woman that saw she was interacting with two rabbis, okay? Um, the vast majority are light beings or energy beings, okay? Um, even with the UFO contact experience, the number one category of people interacting with were different forms of energy beings, okay? Number two was the human-looking being. But there were literally thousands of different types of human-looking beings that people identified. Some uh, were very human-looking. Some were 15 feet tall. Some were very small, two feet tall. Some people had uniforms. Um, um, some people wore uh, monk's robes, um, different colors for the monk's robes. Um, white, you know, brown were the, the main colors. Other people had, like, Greek tunics. Other people have Roman tunics. Um, some people had insignias. I mean, we're talking about a whole smorgasbord of human-looking beings. And then we get into the humanoid beings that, you know, they, they had arms and legs and a head that sort of thing, but there were literally tens of thousands of different humanoid types of beings, okay? So, but then they interact with, with, with these experiences for a very short, limited period of time, okay? So, so the other way of looking at this is that if 
um, there's something that I talk about in my book. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a philosophical definition of the nature of our reality, and it's called dual aspect monism. Okay, and dual aspect monism basically holds the premise that consciousness is primary. And I have a whole section in there in, a, in my book about the topic of uh, what is consciousness, the mind-body problem, you know. And again, we're talking about, you know, the physical aspect of it and the psyche, non-physical aspect. That's the, the whole aspect of the mind-body problem. And then I talk about um, the whole traditions of, um, of consciousness and the science-based as aspect of it, the neuroscience aspect of it, the quantum physics-based aspect of it. And then I go into the whole history of idealism, that uh, all of these cultures, all of these traditions viewed uh, the theory, the philosophy that consciousness was primary. And I start off with the shamanic tradition, the um, um, India, ancient India with the Vedanta, the Upanishads, the Buddhist tradition, the Egyptian tradition, Greek and Roman tradition, and then how that changed when um, uh, Descartes and the whole shift to uh, 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 Cartesian, uh, uh, Cartesian dualism, you know, began. And then I describe this whole aspect of, of monism, and in particularly dual aspect monism. And what that tells us is that uh, before we are born, we are consciousness, eternal spiritual beings. So we're interacting uh, with this environment, with the mind of God, which is the source of our creation. And at that point, it's an idealistic concept, okay, that, um, that the, there's no physicality to it, okay? It's all psyche. But once we are born and we reincarnate into this physical reality, then it's con our consciousness then splits off to a physical mindset, and to a conscious mindset, okay? The conscious mindset is the whole nature of our reality and our still connection as, as conscious uh, 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 eternal spiritual beings. But in order for us to be able to learn lessons, to apply lessons um, while we're in this physical reality and to accomplish our tasks, okay, we have to inter interact with the physical. And so what the dual aspect monism aspect says is that our consciousness gets divided into two subsets. Okay, and that's where you get this whole aspect of the physicality and the non-physicality. But then when we die, all of a sudden, the physical aspect is gone and we revert back to just solely the consciousness, uh, psyche aspect of, of, uh, of, of, uh, of our consciousness. And so, again, I'm giving a very brief and simplistic uh, uh, documentation, but, um, but basically uh, uh, in our physical reality, we have this perception of our reality as very physical. But in reality, that's an illusion. And that was discussed by all of the different uh, traditions, you know, from the shamanic tradition, the Vedanta uh, tradition uh, from ancient India, from the Buddhist tradition, Egyptian tradition, Greek and Roman uh, traditions, et cetera, et cetera, that basically uh, hold the same uh, philosophy that our reality is, is an illusion. It's not a real reality. <clears throat> and so what, what, what I discuss then, the next section of my book is I, I have 11 categories of how all of the contact modalities are interrelated. Okay. And I start off with the concept of a manipulation of space time. Okay, all of the contact modalities involve a manipulation of space and time. Uh, 
If you're having a near-death experience, you're outside of space-time. If you're having an out-of-body experience, you're outside of space-time. If you're having um, an astral travel experience, if you're remote viewing, okay, all of a sudden your consciousness travels to another location, you're able to see things, uh, uh, clairvoyance, you know, um, mediumship, communicating with, with the deceased, you know, um, et cetera, et cetera, involves a manipulation of space-time. What we learned from our research study was that the UFO contact phenomenon also involves a manipulation of space-time. Like um, uh, people were brought to other realities 50% of the time. Like what happened to me, okay? People being brought to other realities. Uh, my friend Alberto, I highlighted him in, in my book. Um, he's had seen tons of UFOs, okay? Just like Dr. Melinda Greer, okay? But yet they're having all these paranormal experiences. So their experiences involves a manipulation of space-time. Another aspect of is uh, travel of the human consciousness and non-human intelligence consciousness up the whole hierarchy of dimensions, okay? We can travel up like when we have a near-death experience or when we have astral travel experiences or we go out of body and interact with our physical reality, but yet the human consciousness also can go back to our physical reality. Same thing with these perceived non-human intelligence, which are, um, are interdimensional in nature, okay? Um, you can think of your, uh, your Aunt Sally that when she dies, okay, you might see her two days later as in a physical form. So you see her in her favorite dress, but you know that you just came from her funeral and she was buried two days ago, okay? So uh, the, the consciousness of Aunt Sally has the ability that once she dies to go up, and, but the consciousness also has the ability to come down and interact with our physical reality. That's category number two of the traveling of, of consciousness, both human consciousness and non-human intelligence. The other aspect of it is that all of these contact modalities involve contact with the perceived non-human intelligence. And that's by definition. Yeah. In all of these contact modalities, people are interacting with intelligence. I don't like to use the word being because that word being uh, has uh, uh, the connotations of physicality to it. Okay. Yeah. Can I share yeah. something with you that's yeah, happened please. to me recently? Um, yeah. First of all, I want to ask you, have you been in contact with Dr. Irvin Laszlo and uh, looked at any uh, of his work? Yes, yes. I'm familiar yeah. with his work. And yeah. we had actually one of his uh, very close colleagues um, who's a physicist from, um, from Cambridge. Um, she initially started astrophysics. Um, and she's a major experiencer. And she wrote several books with Irvin Laszlo. Uh -huh. um, her name is um, um, Curavin, Dr. Um, goodness, what's her first name? I totally forgot about it. So, yes, I am familiar with, with yeah. his work. And well, re recently a friend of mine passed over, and before he died, he was dying for a good eight months. You know, he had a big yeah. tumor, and, um, and the doctor said, oh, you're about to die, you're about to die. So for about eight months, he felt like every minute he was about to die, which was a bit of an experience for him. And uh, he didn't believe in life after death. <laughs> which was interesting because he hung around the conscious community in Sydney spiritual community. And we yeah. all talk about this stuff all the time, but when it, when push came to shove, he admitted that he didn't believe in life after death. And so he was terrified to die. Yeah. Yeah. I could imagine. And, yeah. and he hung on for a while anyway. And uh, he didn't want to talk to me because he knew that I spoke about this stuff all the time and yeah. he wouldn't, he wouldn't let me see him. I just basically didn't see him this whole year before he died. Yeah. And uh, I had to like, accept that. I just had to accept where he was. And I knew that I'd see him after he passed. Anyway, I didn't realize how I would see him after he passed, but since he's passed, he's been teaching me 
about life after death, which I find really interesting. <laughs> That's and, it's an extremely common phenomenon. And of yeah. And what is what he's taught me, he's like such a master teacher, and it's so funny that he didn't believe in it before he died. But he thinks that that personality that he donned as the human was hilarious. When I talk to him about that, he goes, "Wasn't I a great character?" You know, like the <laughs> fact that I didn't believe in life after death and that, you know, I was scared and everything. He sees that as like watching a great sitcom movie. But when he is communicating with me, because I know him well, when I was receiving communication, I was testing it with the guides. I said, how do I know this is not just a memory of him? Am I really receiving some communication of him or am I um, just having a memory of him and just putting words to my memory? And then the And then he gave me an image of a memory of him and he said feel the difference and I had a memory of him and I said yeah and then he came and started communicating with me and then he said feel the difference between the two communications and what he was showing me was that he was projecting thought at me it's like he wasn't turning up in his astral body that looked like what he looked like on earth no. he was now existing in an energy form but he was projecting thought and giving me thought, which was it, which encompassed him looking a certain way and speaking. So he was showing me that when you speak to the dead, you know, it, it's like you're actually they're actually projecting a thought, a download at you, like they're giving you it's, information. It, 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 exactly, the term there is projection. Okay, mm -hmm. projection. And Exactly. If they wanted to project a different, you know, view of this person, if they wanted to, they could project that, you know, of what yeah. he looked like or, or anything exactly. else. Exactly. Okay? The, 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 these are all um, uh, um, open projection. in terms of but projections. Where, but where, like you said, that, that these experiences are holograms. And, you know, I, 30 years ago, I saw Deepak Chopra talking about how this is a hologram, you know, and, and when we understand that this yeah. is a hologram, the reality of beam me up Scotty will become our reality because when we understand we are holograms in the mind of God, then we'll understand that we can manipulate molecules just like, you know, we can, what do you call it? Um, travel, like beam me up Scotty, what do you call it? Teleport, teleport yeah, yeah. molecules. And uh, it was interesting because I was at Shiva, we were sitting Shiva for him because he was Jewish and and uh, I said that he appears to me, he looks around 40. And then my friend said to me, but I thought when you die, you don't, you're not in a physical body. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're not in a physical body anymore. So you don't look 40. And I said, well, he's projecting an image of what he looked like at 40. Exactly. Yeah. Just so like we're in an NDE, when people meet deceased relatives, there's this projection of what they looked like when they were young, 30 years old, you know? Right. <laughs> so but these are projections from the mind of God, you know? Right. Now mm -hmm. you were, you were mentioning the whole aspect of telepathic communications. That's item number four, because I just used 11 examples to show how all of them have these descriptions. And the item number four is telepathic communication in your native language. Okay. No matter if you have an NDE in Czechoslovakia, it's, it's a Slavic language, you know, um, if, if it's in Spanish, it's being communicated to you in Spanish. You know, if it's an, if you're an English speaker, um, the, the telepathic communication is in English, you know, uh, rarely do you get these communications in a different language than what you are at, okay? Mm -hmm. Secondly, the um, uh, all communication, okay, in all of the contact modalities is all telepathic. I've never met one person that's had 
any of these tens of thousands of different physical perceived physical beings communicate them with their tongue, with their mouth, you know, flapping, you know, each of these is telepathic. Why? Because it's all consciousness based. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> category number five <clears throat> is the discussion of this whole aspect of holographic projections. Okay. How, when you're in an out of body state or astral travel, these are holographic projections. When you're in NDE experiences, holographic projections with the mind of god okay uh with here in our physical plane these are holographic projections just like i i stated how all of a sudden i said you better come up with some better bullshit than this because my friends don't believe you and then boom instantaneously that was wiped away and a new image was presented okay yeah, and the mosquitoes too and the mosquitoes yeah, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I could have bet my last dollar that these mosquitoes were biting me you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, but i never saw them but in my mind i said they're eating me up, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then my daughter says, no, there's she no was right next to me though. There, yeah. there's, a, there's a great book by Richard Bach and I can't remember what it's called, but it's about a hypnotist. And he talks about this, this hypnotist who's on stage and he hypnotizes this man to believe that he's enclosed <clears throat> in a cage that's made of um, brick and he can't get out, no windows. And so this man is, is banging on these brick walls and his fingernails start bleeding, but, he's actually standing on stage inside space right yeah. but he's been hypnotized to believe that he's so he's having a holographic projection and his reality is that his physical body starts to bleed when he's just hitting what everyone else is perceiving as air it's really fascinating how all this stuff works isn't it well i mean uh, when i was in freshman year in college in 1975 there was this very well-known man, his, his name was the Amazing Kreskin, mm -hmm. that uh, he would go to different colleges and he would uh, do these hypnotic uh, shows mm -hmm. where he would put these people in a hypnotic stage. And these are one person I knew, you know, it wasn't fake. They had them quacking like a duck on the stage, you know, walking like a duck. And, and with all these people, he said, okay, I'm going to count to three and snap my finger and you're going to wake up. And all of a sudden they woke up there. They were like, where was I? What happened? Why did I, you know? And, and so this whole aspect of, of being able to control someone's conscious thoughts, right. just, just like that being did with me in my living room. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And this was a question I wanted to ask you about an hour yeah. and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking for nearly two and a half hours, I think. But, um, you know, at the beginning, when you said to your wife, this is crap, and you went upstairs to bed and fell yeah, asleep. Yeah. Like, and you've realized that they had taken control of your mind and like, they just moved you out of the way. Why did it was, they it was afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Why, why do you think that they did that? Do you think that? Okay. I, 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 I think I know why they did that. Okay. The reason was that my wife had called, you know, the mind of God, you know, uh, to Angels. help her these mm -hmm. angels to intervene. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden the mind of God came down and, and said, okay, let's help her out, you know, and let's cure this dog. Okay. And so it appeared in that type of format because we saw two different formats. She saw like a, um, like a physical uh, upside down you that would, um, that would phase in and out of reality. Like a, one second, it would be very, very physical, very silverish that it looked like a little craft. Okay. And then all of a sudden it would like, you know, be like Star Trek dematerializing in front of her and be translucent, you know, and, and she said that it didn't like her questioning it because she would go to the windows and move the curtains around because she thought it was something um, that was a projection from the light outside, okay? But 
uh, it was like still almost dark outside. It was six o'clock in the morning, you know? And, um, and, and so she said it didn't like it. So that's why it dematerialized when she started doing that. But once she stopped doing it and started interacting with it, then it became fully materialized. But that was totally different from what I interacted with. You see what I'm getting at? Um, and, and, and similar to like my experience outside, these are totally, two totally different things that I was interacting with outside with that proceed, you know, UAP, UFO, whatever, which mm -hmm. I call consciousness aerial phenomenon, CAP. Okay. And, and so anyway, getting back to just to finish these 10 um, um, similarities, commonalities of the contact modalities was number five was the whole aspect of all of these experiences involve holographic projections. Number six is the paranormal, uh, uh, the, the after effects of these paranormal experiences, whether it's NDEs, UFOs, uh, astral travel experiences, the people that do mediumship, all of a sudden, these people totally change their personality profile and worldviews. That's number six. Number seven is that all of these experiences involve medical healings, okay? With near-death experiences, there are like hundreds of cases that have involved a medical healing as a result of a near-death experience, okay? The most famous case was Anita Morjani, but there are like tons of other cases, which I highlight in my book. Well, one is Eben Alexander, a medical doctor from Harvard. He was a professor, a brain surgeon at the Harvard Medical School. He, his his um, brain was like mush, okay? It was mush. <laughs> and and uh, they were about to turn off his, um, uh, his breathing apparatus, his life support, because he had no brain activity. All of a sudden, uh, uh, um, uh, his son said, give him one more day, give him one more day, give him one more day, and convinced his mother and they left him one more day. Then all of a sudden, he started to get some electrical activity. Okay, now you listen to this man, and they did a peer-reviewed academic article by these three medical doctors that were uh, professors of of, um, of 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 psychiatry in that were hospital people, professors that focus on the brain. Right? It was impossible what happened to him. This man should have remained a vegetable the rest of his life. Okay. And so that's, those are just two examples, but there are literally hundreds and hundreds of these examples. Uh, same thing with uh, UFOs. I mentioned that half of the people had medical healings, that, that these were you, these UFO contact experiencers. Uh, same thing with all of the paranormal. These people have had tons of medical healings uh, with uh, uh, people that do mediumship, astral travel experiences, et cetera, et cetera. Um, number eight is visions of the future and the past, okay? Um, all of these contact modalities involve receiving information about what our future is going to look like and what uh, experiences of the past, okay? Not just with life reviews we're talking about. You know, we're talking about UFO contact experiences that were shown visions of their life, except also visions of the future. You know, and that's where the ecological stuff comes into place with the nuclear weapons comes into place. But it's not just the NDEs and UFO people. It's many of the other contact modalities. Topic number nine, commonality, is, uh, as I said, is the, the total worldview transformation, the personality uh, uh, transformation. Uh, what, uh, what, I, what I didn't mention was num number six. Uh, uh, what it is, is that once you have one of these experiences, all of a sudden it triggers paranormal experiences okay like like uh, most of these major experiences a lot of these major experiencers have had near-death experiences and after they have a near-death experience all of a sudden they have an explosion of paranormal experiences 
Okay, but it's not necessarily only is uh, get started by a near-death experience. A lot of people have had UFO contact experiences, like in my case. After you've had that UFO contact experience, all of a sudden there's an explosion of paranormal experiences. So uh, what you uh, these experiences are also called spiritually transformative experiences because um, um, in many of these experiences, it involves a total spiritual transformation. But I think using that term is, is quite self-limiting is just uh, the topic of spirituality. But one of the topics is that the paranormal gets triggered after you have one of these major experiences. Um, uh, then uh, number 10 is um, the whole uh, concept of uh, spiritual awakening and the concept of God, that people then all of a sudden become deeply spiritual and begin to approach the topic of the afterlife, that they're external spiritual beings, and then the topic of, of, of a universal mind, a non-religious uh, God. Okay. Then chapter uh, 11 is that all of these experiences involve the, uh, the projection of the importance of love. Okay. Uh, people never associated with the UFO contact experience or this whole aspect of love. They always associated with near death experiences. Okay. Uh, if you come back from an NDE, um, the most important message they tell you is about love that we, when we need to, when we come back, we need to learn how to love. Okay. And, but the same thing happens with UFO contact experiences. It was like 80% of these people eventually realize the importance of love. Okay. And how we need to change and become much more loving beings with the NDE. It's like, boom, it's like, once you come back, you're taught that lesson up in this perceived heaven. But with the UFO contact phenomenon, it involves a series of teaching lessons over the many, many, many years. So the point is that like uh, um, 80% of these people begin to understand the relationship of love. And that is in tangent with the concept of spirituality. But that's just not NDEs and UFO contact experiences. It also involves astral travel experiences, out-of-body experiences, uh, people that are involved with mediumship, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's so many of these people that get involved in healings, energy healing. They become Reiki masters, you know, they get deeply into the whole, you know, new age, a uh, spirituality aspect of it. Um, so anyway, and then um, the last part is I talk about the topic of reincarnation, uh, that um, both the UFO contact experiencers have received messages about reincarnation and also the NDE contact experiencers have received messages of reincarnation and a lot of people the deep the very major astral travel experiencers have received that information as well uh, about reincarnation and then I talk about uh, you know in ancient India how they viewed reincarnation in ancient Greece the whole Jewish um, ka uh, Kabbalist uh, uh, traditions then I talk about the academic research of uh, Dr. Ian Stevenson and Dr. Jim Tucker at the University of Virginia. And then I provided, um, I provide charts of models to illustrate these concepts so the person takes a look at it, okay? But I think what uh, 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 half of my book is about these commonalities, how they're all interrelated with each other, okay? The other half is like laying out theoretical foundations, like talking about, you know, idealism. What is idealism? you know, that consciousness is fundamental. And then talking about the whole aspect of neuroscience, of quantum physics and uh, the Kundalini awakening. Why is all of this happening at the one time, you know? And um, so this is the introduction uh, titled The Mind of God, where I present my theory of how all of this is all interrelated. 
And then I also addressed the question of the mind-body problem from an experiencer perspective, like you mentioned this man, you know, he's had uh, this, uh, these experiences with these perceived physical beings where he's being taught these things. So my response to that is like, if I had a dollar for every story that I heard like that, you know, that, that, that I could buy a car with it because uh, there are literally thousands of people that are receiving very similar stories, but they're all different. They're all unique. Instead of the being that he described, Did it's a totally hear- different being. Did you hear about the Elizabeth Clara case, the South African woman who, who, so was, ta- me about it. who was taken to Alpha Centauri by a six, seven foot um, ET called Archon, and she was taken to the, um, he was Venusian. They, they came originally from Venus, but Venus, um, Venus went through its evolutionary cycle and, um, and they all left and they they um, went into the Alpha Centauri system, and they inhabited eight planets there. And she it's was. A, this is just an example. You're you're giving me two examples, but what I'm telling you is that there are literally thousands of these similar stories. How do I know about this? Because I read the details of these people's experiences, what they wrote. Okay. Well, and, Elizabeth and, died in the nineties yeah. in her eighties. I, I remember. I remember reading. Uh, but in fascinating the fi- in the fifties, she was doing talks on on her experiences all over yeah. the world and speaking to scientists yeah. and dignitaries. I mean, the, yeah. there was like in the maybe it was the seventies, but anyway, it was it was a long time ago. Uh, she was talking about this openly. It was in the newspapers and everything. It was quite yeah, amazing. I, I think it might have, it might have been fifties and sixties. I read about her. It was. Mm-hmm unbelievable fascinating mm-hmm. her stories and uh and i know that she wrote a book about it and um what i was reading were these secondary articles about her experiences and videos mm-hmm. I, I even heard uh heard some of her videos on youtube mm-hmm. um fascinating but again yeah, the book was called but beyond the light barrier and she was about to write a book about the anti-gravitic technology that propelled the vehicles but she died before she got that information out but I think okay. it's I think it's but, come but, through other but, people. But, but what I'm saying is uh, again is that her story, that man that lived, uh, I think it was Thailand. I forgot what, what country it was. Vietnam. With this, uh, Vietnam. Okay. Vietnam. It, it was a, a Chinese speaking man that read that book and Samuel. traveled to Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. Samuel. Yeah, I've, I've I've had two two discussions with him on um, on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a matter of fact, I sent them a copy of my book. Mm-hmm. And so what I was trying to convey to Samuel was that, look, Samuel, I don't want to bust your bubble, but I've read literally thousands of similar experiences, but they were all uniquely different. OK, some people were brought to this constellation. Other people were brought to other constellations. Some of them were humanoid beings. Some of them were more human looking beings. You know, um, it, it's like these are all common descriptions of an experience and the way I interpret it. As I said before, that th- th- these are all not, you know, tens of thousands of different beings coming from 10,000 different planets and people having unique experiences. As I said, most of these experiences only last a few minutes. It's not like you're a whole day uh, with, with a being, you know, um, it, it just doesn't work that way. Um, but what it is, is that these are this is the mind of God giving you a teaching experience, not well, for you to. I- yeah. I agree. I think we've got to wrap this up because we're coming up to yeah. three hours. Yeah. But I agree with you. But I also think that there are some experiences that are also um, real. And I've got to say those two experiences, Elizabeth Clara actually had a child. She got she was impregnated and she had a child. So yeah. it's pretty hard to sort of 
um, fake a pregnancy, well, like a holographic. Anyway, but um, yeah. I well, we again, to... again, what I'm getting at before we wrap up is that yes, these experiences are very physical, mm. okay, but it's also very psyche. It's you cannot. But everything well, we... is psyche, as we've said. Everything. Yes. Yes. To, it... to to the person living in another planet, this experience of planet Earth. I mean, if they heard about it and they experience it in their astral, they would think it was fantasy as well. It's our reality, but to somebody else, correct, it's a, correct, it, it's a holographic yeah. projection. It, it, that, that's that's the whole basic bottom line that I'm trying to convey in the book. Yeah. yeah. As to the complexities of this, that yeah. um, people are all interpreting it. As very physical you know here's a being from another physical planet you know and i had this physical experience but what i'm saying is that yes you are interpreting it as a physical experience but it's much more deeper much more complex than that mm-hmm. and so right? this this book here the mind of god is just the introduction to the four volume book series and volumes one and volume two are going to be coming out within a week uh, but the mind of god you can check it out it's available for ten dollars on kindle it's like the price of a six pack of beer, you know. Um, so if, if you're hard on cash, whatever, uh, get it for, for Kindle. You, you get this uh, this entire book. All the other books that I'm going to be putting out are also going to be $10 on Kindle. So uh, as I said, you're the also, price you're, of a six pack. You're self-publishing all of them? They're all self-published. Self-publishing because um, if you go with a private publisher, uh, no, we can't put out an 800-page book. You know, uh, how we're yeah. going to make some money on it, you know? Yeah, we're going to sell exactly. it for $45. You know, it's an 800-page book, you know? So and I'm going to say, yeah. You, ha- you have a group on Facebook called Contact Modalities, Consciousness and Contact. There's about 7.6 thousand members. It's... um. Do you want people to go there to sort of discuss this stuff? The, the, those are for experiencers if you want to talk to other experiencers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, the experiencer side of it. The the academic side of it, the research side, is the website. And I said, go to our website. Uh, we're still working on it by next Monday. It should be uh, opened up, you know, all the changes that we made. And the it's website all, is uh, not experiencer.org. No, that's the old one. That's it's the old in, one. Yeah, it's info at a greater reality.com info that's, that, at that's, a that, that's the email address so, so the exp- oh i'm sorry it's a greater reality.com a greater reality.com is the yeah. um okay yeah and if you want me to send you those free copies of the first book um and then information about uh our our this next project you know greater reality in the mind of god send me an email my email is info at a greater reality.com yeah fabulous ray hernandez it's been epic today i tell you <laughs> i might need to break this up into two sections i don't know if everyone will stay yeah yeah, yeah yeah do, do, break it up into two but it's been so beautiful to talk with you again thank you so much for um well, thank you. Thank stories. you so much, Karen. Th- these topics um, uh, are not um, easily digestible, as you know. OK, uh, for some people, it might be woo woo, you know, uh, information. But this is all information based upon what modern science is finally talking about. And what we're doing is we're mixing it with the experiencer. OK, uh, to try to be able to understand the complex nature of our reality. Yeah. which is uh, um, uh, um, a multidimensional reality based upon consciousness. Why? Because 
consciousness is fundamental. Our physical reality is just an illusion. It's very physical, very real to us. I mean, someone punches you in the face, you're going to feel it, okay? But you have to understand that behind all of that, there's some complexity behind that. And that's what our book series is all about, trying to be able to present in a layman's perspective, so anyone can understand it, some of these sophisticated um, uh, new paradigm uh, discussing the nature of our reality. Yeah. Well, Sheila and I wanting to get a panel discussion together on uh, what's happening in our world and the shift in the reality on our world. And I invited you. You said, yes, we've moved that. We've moved that to, I think we've moved that to uh, November, December now. We were going to do it in October, but um, other things are happening. So I look forward to seeing you again on the panel discussion. We'll get people like you and Preston Dennett and Grant Cameron and um, Alan Steinfeld and, you know, a few people that are in the air. If you've got anyone else that you think you'd like to come on to decide. Mary, Mary Rodwell. Oh, well, it's we're doing the guys. We did the women. Mary came on. We did oh, the women. Okay. We called it Galactic Goddesses uh, uh, Connect Hearts Across the Water. We're calling this one Galactic Guides. Guys connect across the water, connect hearts. Okay. So, um, so this is for the guys, and uh, we did the women before. Yeah, Mary came on with the women, but um, I look forward to chatting to you again for that. Thank you, Ray. Okay. Thank you it, so it, much. You're very welcome. If you want to have any of the academics that work with us, uh, we can get them on board because these are close friends of mine. Like so Rudy it, and um, M- Michael Grosso is a wonderful person. He's also an experiencer, a major experiencer. Well, yeah, uh, that, we that, might. Yeah, we yeah. Might. So he 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 can give it to you from a different perspective because yeah. he's a he's in a major experiencer and he's written like fifteen books. Most wow. of them have dealt with, dealt with the paranormal. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, I mean, he's a brilliant man. And um, and his and, name's Michael. Doctor Michael Grosso, G R O S S O. And you could read about his bio and some of his books in our website, um, uh, agreaterreality.com. Mm-hmm. Now, re- remember that website is just, it's still in this draft form. Uh, there's a guy that's working behind the scenes, making all the changes. So um, in about a week on Monday, a week from today, um, we're going to be putting out the actual website, which is very different from what you see. Beautiful. All right. Well, I look forward to it. Big love to right, you. Kat. Okay, thank you so much for the invitation. And break it up into two because uh, uh, people don't want to listen to this boring conversation for three hours. 